Welcome back to the Waza Media Podcast. Waza Media is a digital marketing agency that believes in the power of storytelling. We show businesses and individuals how to communicate with laser focus in a media-saturated world. My name is JR. I am CEO of this company, and I want to talk to you just very briefly about uh, Marketing Brew. Uh, if you are looking and struggling to find out the latest information about, you know, your, about what's going on in the world with marketing, I highly recommend subscribing to Marketing Brew. Uh, it's free, it's no cost, and it goes into a daily email digest for you. You can sign up for free at waza.media slash marketingbrew. That's waza.media slash marketingbrew. On this episode, I'm really, really excited to bring Olivia Nunn onto the show. Olivia, welcome to the Waza Media Podcast. Thanks so much for the invite. Uh, you know, it's nice to be on the other side, right? Uh, because I'm a podcast host, so it's nice to actually be on the other side and be a guest. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, for our audience, Olivia Nunn is a communications consultant. She is an entrepreneur, a podcast host, an international speaker, a new newly transitioned army veteran. And I, I want to see if we could talk about this later on. Uh, you now represent Miss New York as a, a, a correct me, what's the correct title for 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 that? I'm still not new to the pageantry world. So maybe you might <laughs> fill, that, fill in some of the so details. I am United States of America's Miss New York, and I am co currently competing in a pageant and I will go on to nationals, which is in Las Vegas in February. Yeah. That's that sounds like a lot of fun. And then I was I was following you on, on Instagram for uh, when the the event happened in in the DC. Uh, it was it was in George. It was in Beth, was it in Georgetown. It was well. I am I am title holder to Georgetown, so I am Ms. Georgetown 2021. Hmm. Same same organization. So um, so the full title is United States of America's Ms. Georgetown. And from there, that title allowed me to compete to uh, to compete for the title for Ms. District of Columbia. I did not take that title. That went to my very dear friend, um, Amber. She's actually Ms. Uh, District of Columbia. However, there were availabilities and competitions in other states. And um, I interviewed and was able to uh, take the opportunity for New York. And that came about because... Uh, New York is where I was stationed once back in the day when I was stationed at West Point, which actually a uh, quick fact, that's actually where I started my whole entire journey as a social media expert back in 2010, little known fact there. And uh, yeah, so super excited that I get to represent the great state of New York. It's kind of been the love and passion of where I started as a communicator for me. So I think it's kind of nice that I get to represent that state. Very cool. And we're here on the show to talk about communication and to talk about what the future might hold. 2021 has been quite an interesting year. <laughs> I mean, there's some other words I could describe it, but it's, it's been a wild ride. I, uh, for me, I feel it's been even wilder than 2020. How, how, how was 2021 for you? I would have to agree. I, 2021 was a, a year of, of a journey and what, and if anyone who's listening follows me on social media, I've used the term, I am the storm. And that comes about as a reference to myself specifically. It was from this, this saying, this poster that I saw early in 2001, 
It's been written a few ways. Um, it's been referenced as a warrior, as she or he, but it says that they whispered to her, she cannot withstand the storm. She whispered back, I am the storm. And when I had read that, I kind of sat with it and I realized, you know, the ocean, the water has always called to me. It's something that I found um, peaceful. It's something that I always love the ocean. I love the sound of it. It's, it's calming. I grew up in the great state of Washington. I'm from um, Puyallup, Washington, which is outside of uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And that's a rainy state. And so water is nothing, it's not new to me. And I realized life is full of storms, right? Storms come in and they go and they bring chaos. But at the same time, you learn to anchor yourself. And I realized that I, and along with storm, storms are fast, right? They brew fast, they come in fast, and then they leave. And that's kind of how I live my life. This fast, this speed, speed has always been a thing, right? Um, I was a a racer in college, right? I, I was into like the whole fast and furious scene. I like built cars. I did drag racing and all of that. Um, cool. if, yeah. And if you know me, I drive in the left lane. I can't stand people that drive slow in the left lane. <laughs> like I'm that person that will write your butt. Um, and so I live life literally and figuratively fast. And so it, it made sense to me that I am the storm and that's really what I reference. And so for me, it's for me, 2021 was about embracing life from that perspective, because 2021 has been like that. There was incredible highs for me toward the end of 21, but at the same time, it started with an incredible low, you know, and I've, and I've talked about that on social media. I've talked about that journey and that journey was, you know, I went through a divorce unexpectedly, you know, the, the, the good news story is that I'm amicable. I'm friends with my ex, you know, we built a life together and, you know, it just, unfortunately, it just didn't work out for us. And, um, but we co-parent well, and, you know, but it's still, it's just, it's a sad journey. If anyone has ever gone through divorce, because nobody wins in that. And, and through that, you know, I hit such a low and I hit such a low that it was a mental health journey for me to the point that I contemplated suicide. I went up to the point of planning it and how I was going to do it, um, to, to all of that. And I, and I had to go seek help and understanding mental health for the first time in a very real way for the for the military community. And so now I'm a huge advocate for the military community for mental health, especially for resourcing, because now I understand from the other side of the road, right? Because I was there And the irony was for the last three years before I retired, I served at United States Soldier for Life program who I had access and understood and knew people of different organizations and nonprofits that help. And many of which were nonprofits that help with resourcing for mental health. And yet me at that time, Lieutenant Colonel Olivia Nunn could not get help. There was just not enough resources. They could help six months later. But here I am like, but I'm not going to be alive in six months. I need help now. Right. And so I've been very open about that for a very specific reason. It's about ending the silence, breaking the stigma and coming together through advocacy and action for our military community. And so for me, when we talk about 2021, you know, it is a crazy and wild ride because of that extreme high and that extreme low 
And then I ended 2021 learning to find myself, embracing myself as that storm and learning to put myself back out there from an entrepreneurial perspective. I opened a business and then, you know, I put myself back out there from, you know, a personal perspective in terms of dating and then, you know, being okay and finding somebody all over again. So yeah, crazy, but, but good, but in a good way. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your, your very uh, personal um, experiences for that. It sounds like it, it really was a storm, but I, I was thinking uh, and how I was just going to describe 2021 as a roller coaster, but I really like your metaphor because you talk about anchoring and there were points in which I, I felt that there were points where I needed to be anchored and I needed, it was, it was my family, it was my friends, my support system that helped Kate kept me anchored. And if, you know, I was looking at the roller coaster part where there's, it's just one direction. It's just go. There's, 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 there's highs and lows and there's eventually, there's eventually an end point. But I, I like the calm of the storm. And, and when you mentioned anchoring, because there were points in where, you know, the storm does go away, but you have, I wasn't alone in 2021. I had someone, I had family and friends, I had my wife to, uh, to anchor me down, to make sure and keep me, keep me down. So I, I really like your example. And I think, um, I'm going to use yours. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Uh, you know, and that's the important thing is that I talk about tribe, right. And, and soldier for life talked a lot about that. When you transition from the military, one of the hardest things that people find that they miss the most after they've hung up the uniform is the sense of belonging, right? Because let's be honest, we, we don't get paid a whole lot of money in the military. Not that it's horrible, right? It's good, but we, we don't do it for the paycheck. We did it because we believed in something bigger than us. And we believed in, in what, in, in what was bigger than us. But at the same time, we did it for the love of our brothers and sisters left and right of us. And so it is that same sense of belonging and love that we are looking for when we leave, right? And so we talk about find your tribe and you can find your tribe by giving back in your community, whether that's, you know, joining an organization that has ties to a military group or, and it doesn't have to be, maybe it's, it's, you know, being active in your church, but whatever it is, is go be part of something like don't, don't just go to work and come back home. Right. And what, what I'm drawing to is that when you are part of a tribe, those are your anchors and that's where you're going to find the love and support. And then the, the other thing I really want to, to draw to is that the strongest of us are usually the ones that have the hardest time asking for help. And that was the toughest thing for me to do when I needed help. Like I literally, when I say that it was hard, it was literally hard for me to open my mouth and ask for help. Like I, I didn't know how I knew I needed to, like the conversation in my head told me I needed to ask for help, but I didn't know how to, because the banter that I was having in my head about what would they think of me? You know, what, what if, right? All of those things were churning in my head and I literally couldn't open my mouth to say, I need help. But yet when I finally did the freedom that came with that. 
So I urge any listener that's listening that find themselves in that position of, I resonate with that, that I feel like I'm in that place. I hear you that I'm that strong one. And I don't know how to ask for help. I urge you. And I beg you, if you are in that place now, the hardest thing in your journey is to open your mouth and to say, I need help. And when you do, once you do that, the rest is easy. Believe me, the rest is easy. Just say that you need help and your tribe you will find will love on you harder than you've ever imagined. So true. And sometimes asking for help is, is just, is, is the first step. And from there you can continue on and get the, get the help that you need. Um, a lot of things learned in 2021 and it's been quite the ride. It's been quite the storm. Um, want to move from some of the lessons that we've learned, not only from our personal lives, but also from a communication standpoint in 2021 and want to talk about what the future may hold for 2022. It's a brand new year. It's a great, you know, for some, a lot of businesses, uh, it's, it's a start of their, of their financial year and they'd probably do some planning and, and planning execution. Uh, and this might be a good time to just for some small businesses or even any organization to start looking about what they're doing with communications. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Olivia, could you tell us a little bit about your communications background? So, uh, our audience has a better understanding of where you're coming from. Yeah. So I know I shared that, you know, I did 20 years in the army and I just recently retired back in September of 2021. And previous to that, so the, the last 10 years of my career, I served as a U.S. Army public affairs officer. And the previous 10 before that, I was a chemical officer. But that last 10 that I served as a, what is known as a public affairs officer. And in that breath, you know, I did the following things, you know, my first job, I, as a PAO, I served at West Point. And that's what I had shared earlier in the podcast was i started at West Point and I served as a deputy public affairs officer at the, at that Academy. And my first job was in 2010 to start social media. That's when the army was, we're going to do this thing that the rest of the world was already doing, but we're going to do it officially. The, the army is going to be okay with doing this social media thing. So that I was called the social media chief. So I started all of the social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram wasn't, you know, just, just kind of started coming around and, um, you know, and we started doing that, right. The, the rules were just starting being crafted. The first set of, you know, standard operating procedure at the army level. And, and I was helping craft that from West point as well was being done, you know, the do's and don'ts. And Oh, by the way, the cadets were going all crazy with it and trying to like, Hey, you need to, you know, all of those things. And those rules are very different from the rules that we have now. It, we're kind of a little more laxed, if you will, if, if I think back to what it was in 2010, and oh, by the way, I helped revamp their website at West Point too, all at the same time. And we, I won accolades. Like I, I won some website awards. I won some social media awards. And I really learned how to dig in and understand this, this world of social media. And, and I realized I loved it. I really loved this thing called social media. I, I started personally when I was deployed. It was my third deployment. I was a troop commander. 
I remember uh, my friend, uh, Rich Ince, if he's listening, you know, we were, uh, we were together in first brigade, first cab iron horse. And he had reached out. He's like, you got to do this thing called Facebook. I was like, what the hell is this Facebook thing? Right. Cause Facebook was a college thing, but it finally opened up to everybody else. And I remember it was in the middle of the night. I was in Iraq. I was a troop commander and I started Facebook. Right. And I remember he was a first friend and he messaged me. He's like, Hey, you're finally on. And, um, and I was like, yeah, so I guess I'm doing this thing. And I remember I took what I was kind of learning to do and I implemented that on basic, very basic understanding to West Point and then just running with it. That foundation at West Point is what helped me understand the road to social media because I was one of the early adopters. I helped the army write its first standard operating procedure, right? SOP. And then when I showed up at the uh, army staff, I worked at army chief of public affairs. It, it just opened so many doors. And I realized that social media is not going away. The rules are going to constantly change and progress, but we are going to communicate. This is a way that we are going to communicate. It's no longer just this fun thing that you do where you put pictures and let the world know what you're doing every 10 minutes to this is a form of communication and it's very effective. It's very fast. And it is changing the way we do business as a communicator. I've been a media representative on behalf of the United States Army. I've written communications plan on behalf of the United States Army at the Army level. I wrote things in that, you know, talked about religious accommodations, everything from, you know, Sikhs and their, you know, their, what they could or could not wear and how that applied to certain policies, to beards, to other religious accommodations, to women in, in combat, right? One of I, I got to sit in and write some of that policy changes and how we're going to communicate that military working dogs to, um, you know, all kinds of different things, you know, in the last, the last big major changes you can think of it that has happened in the army in the last eight years. I guarantee you part of that penmanship was done either by major Olivia Nunn or Lieutenant Colonel Olivia Nunn. Um, and so that's just kind of gives you an idea of what I did as a communicator for the United States army and then overlaying that onto social media. So I'm a social media brand chief, if you will, like branding awareness is huge for me because I had been a protector of the United States army's brand. Cause that's because I've just been passionate about that. And I was big on that and understanding what brand and brand awareness and protecting of that brand. I teach social media cause I've been doing it since 2010. Um, and then at the same time, the last three years, I became a, a podcast host. Like I literally dug into podcasting overnight. It's called Google, right? How do you edit a, a show, right? How do you put together a studio? And I, you know, built my studio in my house and all of that. So I've been a podcast host to the Soldier for Life Army podcast series for, for a couple of years that put, launched me into MOA, Military Officers Association of America. I am their podcast host. We just completed season one. Um, you know, almost 2000 downloads in less than seven weeks. Um, so super pumped for that success. And then, you know, I'm about to launch my own personal podcast here this year. So, you know, that's kind of gives you an idea as to, if you're wondering like, who is this woman and why does she think she knows what she's talking about? You know, that that's where my area of expertise is, you know, I'm a communicator by trade brand awareness, it, you know, social media, I train, I teach and I mentor because it's a passion. And when it's not a passion, it's not a job. Right. 
I could see that you're very passionate about communicating. And uh, there was an article that came out from, I think it was AdAge, the uh, social media managers uh, now have about 15 years of experience. You know, it's just thinking about web when Web 2.0 came out, Web Web 1.0, you know, as early as uh, email and 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 just basic websites during the 90s and into the 2000s, Web 2.0 came up where we have social media. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember now when I first got on Facebook. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was during my university days because you're right, it was exclusive. And then right after Facebook doing their ex exclusivity, I think I remember Gmail was an exclusive thing where you had to be invited from a friend yep. in order to get that referral. Was one of the very first. Which was, a, which was an excellent marketing technique for promote exclusivity and also the rarity of, of such of, uh, to get access. Um, so that's awesome. You, you've had, it sounds like you've had a very eventful career um, in the service, but also as a, as a communicator, you've got to highlight a lot of big policy things and communicate it to audiences at large. So it sounds like, and now you've got new things that are coming out um, and to do, I'm really excited about that you're doing your own personal podcast show. That's really cool. I am super excited. Uh, we just started a, so I have a partner in this. So it's not just my podcast. I have a partner that I'm going to be doing this podcast is Calm in the Storm. You could find it on Instagram. It's calm.in.the.storm. And it's a play on words. He's the calm part of the storm. Cause like I referenced earlier, I am the storm and, and it is two people, two army veterans, and we are the opposites of everything. I am an officer, right? I did 20 years and I retired as Lieutenant Colonel and he's about to retire here shortly. And he's a Sergeant major special operations. And, you know, that's non-commissioned officer. Those are two opposite sides of the, you know, the rank structure and he's done over 25 years. So he's got a few more years. We're about the same age. You know, that's the difference between, you know, my college and, you know, he went in, you know, he's special operations. I was standard operations. You know, those are two different sets. We both have combat time, um, different continents, if you will, in terms of how we've seen combat. Um, he's the calm, I'm the storm, you know, we both have gone through a divorce. We both have kids. His kids are older than mine. Um, but we're both minorities. Right? We are both, um, you know, multiracial, if you will. I am first generation Korean American. I am Korean and English. He is, you know, black and Puerto Rican. And so we have some commonality there, but so we have some common things, you know, the love of army, the love of service. Um, we are both huge advocates about mental health. He's a mental um, health fitness coach. He's, he started his own nonprofit a couple of years ago. Um, he has his own coaching business as well. And so, you know, all of those things, but at the end of the day, what we're both passionate about is giving back to the military community, giving back in a way that matters, right? Advocacy and action is what we talk about, but from different aspects in different ways. Um, and so that's what that podcast is all about. It's about all these different things, all of the unexpected parts in your life, but how do we come together? But how do we, but, but yet we see everything from a different perspective. And the other thing is, is that we're, I'm a storyteller, right? As a communicator at the end of the day, I'm a storyteller. And there's, and podcasting is about storytelling from a niche idea. 
And there's this one thing is when you look at all the different ways the story has been told, the story hasn't been told from the lens of minority veterans, especially to minority veterans in the way that we want to tell it. Um, you know, there's been a lot of great storytelling. There's a lot of great podcasts. There's a lot of my great friends that have been doing it, but there's a little difference when you're a minority, right? Um, because it hits different. It hits harder when you've lived that life. Uh, especially when you talk DEI, when you talk diversity, there are different things that are at play there. It's not all equitable. It's not all things are equal, if you will. And then, and those conversations are hard. They are not easy. And I say this a lot. We have to be comfortable with the uncomfortableness of that conversation. And so I want to have those conversations about DEI from our lens, because it's different when you are a minority, it's different than if you are the majority and that impacts everything on how we got promoted. It, it impacts on how we were viewed, you know, and how health services, right. Um, everything from let's, let's talk about COVID, right. Look at some of the minority communities. A lot of minority communities are, are not open to receiving the COVID vaccine for a lot of reasons, right? It has to do with history. It has to do with, um, you know, the way that they view the government and all of that. Some of it I think is a little silly because it's misinformation. And some of it is very, very valid. You cannot, but, you know, say, I get you and understand why you, you can't, you can't argue with their reasoning, but you got to talk that through and you got to understand that. That's just one example, right? And that's the point of that podcast is to be able to have that dialogue. So super excited to be able to have that this year. Um, I'd like to volunteer myself as a potential guest uh, because uh, uh, my, my, before becoming a public affairs officer, I was in the, I was in the army nurse corps um, and being in the army nurse corps, the demographics for where, where I fit in, I was, it was predominantly female. Uh, I am a minority. And so I was kind of like, I think I hit three of the minority slots of just being in the Army Nurse Corps during that time. Uh, definitely my experience was was different uh, there, not only being as a minority when it comes to gender, but also when it comes to ethnic background. But I believe the experiences that I had and the perceptions that I had helped in, in a team dynamic setting by having, uh, and I agree as for, um, for for any team dynamic having diversity of thought um perspectives and cultures can help boost your organization um having everyone on the same mind uh really puts those blinders i'm thinking about those horses you know uh those horse, horse blinders on uh you need diversity of thought experiences and cultures in order to broaden your understanding and that's definitely important from a communication standpoint for sure. Yeah. You know, um, and so super excited to be able to do that. And, you know, and at the same time, share lessons learned, because I think that's the most important part. You can talk all this that you want, but if you don't understand where you faltered before and how to grow from it, then it's, it's a moot point. And I think that's the thing that we are most excited about is, you know, not that we're perfect because we're not. And I think that's a big thing that you know, we're big on is that we're not perfect and not that we have all the answers, but 
that we have taken a huge step back and said that we are going to do a lot of reflection and, and take a big introspection about ourselves and say, what did we not do right? Because to be a good leader, that's what you have to do. That's what the army taught us to be is how do you lead well, right? And uh, how do we take all the tools that him and I have learned over the 20 plus years and then bring it forward in this conversation? So, yeah, I'm really looking pumped. forward to it. This will be exciting. And I'm, I, I hope I, and I know from uh, our communities, uh, leadership is something that we're vastly looking to improve, not only for ourselves, but we also want to see it in the in the leaders that are in charge or who who are the decision makers. And I really hope that your podcast can can help influence um, the community at large uh, to 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 look at those things from a different lens. And that's the point, right? Getting advocacy and change uh, through conversation, and that and it happens one story at a time. That that's where it goes. You have to affect it through one story at a time. Sometimes we don't even understand that change, but it starts with one ripple, right? You don't know what that, what that change is on the other side of that, of that lake or that pond, but you have to start by dropping that pebble on the other side and letting that go forward. Awesome. Livia, I want to transition the conversation to what 2022 may or may not bring when it comes to communication tactics. Um, during during our previous uh, during our banter prior to the show, we we have a lot of passions when it comes to communicating, and and you you describe some uh, with yourselves when it comes to social media, when it comes to podcasting. I want to pick your brain about what the future would be for some of these communication tactics. For for our audience, we have we have small businesses, we have organizations who are large, we have small, and they have a myriad of different staffing uh, and resources. But everyone is trying to figure out what's the next thing. Uh, but I want to pick your brain on a couple topics. Uh, and I want to talk about the future of them during this se next segment. So number one, um, where do you see podcasting in the year 2022? Do you, I, think it's I, I feel that, I feel that there's been a lot of podcasts being created during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will I will say was a media podcast was created during a pandemic because we wanted to find a way on how to communicate and tell those stories uh, from small business owners and also communicators. Um, so do you see it growing even more? Do you think that, you know, it'll be scaled back? Where, where do you see the future of podcasting this in the next year? So I think it, we're going to see a little bit of growth, but at the same time, we're going to see a little drop. And here's what I mean by that. There was growth because we were in a pandemic, people were home. So they're like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And it's easy to start a podcast. It's relatively inexpensive. I think where you're going to see a downward is people that can't sustain it because they're going to go back to work, right? Those that are going to go back to their traditional settings. And they're like, Hey, I can't, I can't keep this up anymore. This was this fun little project that I did on the side. I think those are going to reduce, but I think those that want to create it into their business plan that they're going to, you know, nest it within their, as an entrepreneur or within their companies or however, I think that's where you're going to see the growth. Podcasting is not going to go away. It is a large uh, producing volume, if you will, way of storytelling. And it's an easy way. Podcasting is a way to reach your audience from a niche way. The key to it is how do you do it and make revenue? That's the hard part because anybody can podcast. The issue is going to be 
are you going to figure out how to create stories in a meaningful way to the audience that matters to you? I think that's going to be the hard part in this game of podcasting for 2022. So I think where we're going to see potential growth is, is outsourcing of that podcast. I think what we're going to see is instead of an individual doing it for themselves, potentially contracting and hiring out like Moa does with me, they contract it to hire somebody who does it for them and using their network, their skills and their talent to podcast for them. Uh, it's, it's a little more cost effective than having somebody directly on their staff, um, and, and, and it goes back to some of the key elements that I talked about as a communicator and as a social media, right? It's leveraging networks because that's what podcasting is about at its finest. It's leveraging network. It's leveraging my network and reaching my audience. And at the same time, leveraging the network that I'm uh, utilizing for whatever company. And, and that's the intent that I fully want to develop in 22 for myself, right? For my own individual company, which is Olivia Nunn Communications LLC is that, yes, I podcast on behalf of MOA, but that, you know, I want to grow that, you know, I want to grow that from a, a perspective of podcasting for two more companies. And because it podcasting is a, is a niche media, I want to podcast on behalf of other companies and, and talk very specific to what it is that they want to talk about, whether it's health specific, you know, I've, I've started those conversations with a couple other companies. It's just a matter of, do they want to bring it to fruition? They are excited. They want to use my network. They want to use the talent that I have, the energy that I bring to the table. It's just a matter of, you know, is it within their budget to do it? Because it's inexpensive, but at the same time, it's not free, right? You, you've got, I, you know, I've got bills to pay, right? It's, there, there's time and energy that is involved for me to do it. And, and you do, you do got to pay me. So um, the other part that dealing with clients that want to do a podcast is they don't realize how much planning goes mm -hmm. into it. You, you got to have an outline. You got, you have a, you, even before the outline, before you actually do the podcast, you got to do the communications planning. Who, who's your target audience? What are you trying to reach? Why do you want to reach them? What's the value bet? What's the value added for them? If, yeah. if there's no, so what factor, why would anyone want to spend the time to listen to your own, to that, to that podcast? Right. So there's a ton of planning that even that needs to happen before you even have the outline for your podcast, inviting the guests, finding the right guests, and then doing the next steps, which is the marketing of your podcast. So there's, a, there's a lot of back end that I think that needs to be educated for, but before uh, in the consideration of executing a, a podcast for your organization. Right. But it's to me, I think it's well worth it. And then, you know, then there's planning for every single episode. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, when they look at the pricing is, you know, there's, I think it's very reasonable for what I charge, you know, in the industry perspective, especially for where I am at in DC, um, because there is a lot of time and effort that goes into it. And I think people just look at the, the, the final product. And they're like, well, it's just 30 minutes of you just jaw jacking and, you know, looked amazing. But what you didn't see is the hours that went into it, the number of calls and emails and thought process that went into it to making it, um, you know, a great show. And oh, by the way, the editing, right? The editing is a heavy lifting part, but you know what, what also somebody doesn't realize is that the number of time and hours that I put into prepping for that conversation, you know, I've got to study who that person is. I got to study what that topic is because I'm not the expert in all of these topics, but people think that I am. And the reason why people think that I am is because I studied that topic. 
so that I am so that I am well versed in asking you that right question so that it is a great discussion because I don't want any of the listeners to walk away from that conversation going, man, that was like watching paint dry, right? I don't, I don't want that, you know? Are you, are you uh, familiar with the, the YouTube show Hot Ones? I haven't heard that one. So it's, it's a, it's, I forgot his name. His, I see his face, but he, he interviews celebrities and he does interview questions while they eat chicken wings with various amounts of levels of intensity of hot sauce. Ooh. So, you know, you have, you have an internet, you have a YouTube show interview show throwing food and hot sauce in the mix and the hot sauce kind of, kind of adds a different element to uh, adds, has a different type of pressure <laughs> when you're when you're trying to answer questions. The one thing I notice about this podcast, uh, this this host, is that he asks very 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 specific questions, and a lot. There's a YouTube video recapping the reactions of all the podcast ghosts and says, "Wow, you really you know, reactions vary or, or uh, go from um, you really looked into my history, or that's a really good question, or how did you find out about that." And it really comes down to research, uh, just like what you mentioned, because um, there's, it's not only that you're looking for the audience to, to uh, either it's for informative purposes or entertainment, but you have, as a podcast host, you're really trying to draw energy from yeah. your podcast guests. And if you can't get that any that that out, then you know it's. Uh, I think it's like what you mentioned. It's like washing paint dry. <laughs> yeah, because you you want because right this is being recorded as a video as well as audio you want your and not everyone's going to see the video portion right because a lot of them might be tuning in as they're driving or you know doing homework or mowing the lawn you know i live in a condo so i've never i haven't mowed a lawn i don't know (laughs) you know if you're having to mow the lawn while you're listening or something but you know you you want the voice, especially when it comes as an audio piece, you want them to hear and through hearing, feeling the energy of that conversation that they're excited and they want to stay tuned in because, you know, it's easy for somebody to listen into a podcast for the first two to three minutes, right? You want them to stay tuned for however long that is. If it's a 20 minute, 30 minute, or even a 45 or even an hour long conversation. And the only way you're going to do that is you got to keep that energy high. You got to keep them in tune and excited about what is the next thing that he's going to say, or the next thing she's going to say, or wow, what she's telling me is well worth my time and effort. And that's, you know, those are the things that I keep constantly churning in the back of my head that I want to make sure that whatever's coming out of my mouth is of value to my listeners. And I would like to think the majority of the time I'm hitting the mark, you know, I would be lying if I thought that every single time that I'm hitting the mark, cause I know that I'm, you know, there's no way that you're going to be doing that, but I would like to think that I'm doing majority of the time and that my listeners are happy with what I'm doing. Um, and, and that's what I'm trying to strive for is that, that I get better each and every single time, because that's what matters to me is that the success of my show is based on my listeners being happy with what I'm producing. It's not about me. It's about them being happy with that content. So podcasting is going to still be big. It's going to be relevant in 2022. For sure. I want to move over to content marketing. And I want to preface this by, uh, I listened to a a previous uh, show that you, um, that you hosted with, uh, with Rich Cardona, uh, season six, episode 13. This was a, Filmed uh, about a year ago, December 27th, 2020 was when it was released, uh, Soldier for Life podcast, where you were the previous host. And you talked to him uh, a year ago 
about social media um, content strategy, a year has changed and a lot of things have changed when it comes to social media. Uh, one thing I'll preface is TikTok. Uh, and there's an article talking about how website traffic to TikTok exceeds Google. And yes. now, which throws a whole nother dynamic about how you know, the tools and the, and the applications that are used to reach people at scale. And so with, with, with what was discussed previously a year ago, a year has passed, and now we're at this new milestone going into 2022. Where do you see uh, content marketing evolving, changing, adapting uh, in this next year? So I want to say that I would encourage people to go back to that old podcast and listen to the things that Rich Cardona and I talked about. You know, disclaimer: Rich and I are very good friends, and 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 I would say that the reason why I'm telling you to go back to that podcast is because that information is what we say in our in our world as public affairs officers, evergreen information. Insert new platform. Right now it's TikTok. Next year it could be, I don't know, some other ABCDEFG platform that's the coolest thing since sliced bread, right? But here's the thing. What doesn't change is that, and I talk about this when I teach, being authentically you, right? Don't come across your platform being fake. And that, and what do I mean by that? Whenever I post, whether it's through my photos, my videos, and my words, it is me. Like you should feel that it's me. And that, and if you're following me, and if you should ever meet me in person, you should feel the essence of my post is me. And so when you meet me in person and actually get to spend a few moments with me, you should feel that that what you felt on social and me in person are one in the same. You should not walk away feeling like, man, I thought Olivia was like this on social media, but then when I met her, she's not like that. And I have this other taste in my mouth about her, whether good or bad, you should feel the same about me. Or maybe if you meet me in person, maybe even better, right? That, that would, that's actually even better is that you liked me on social. Now you're walking away. You like me even better in person, right? You don't want, I dislike her because she's, she, she's fake, right? You never want that. So authenticity, you know, and that's never going to change in terms of content. Now, the basic rules of content posting post all the time. Now, when I say all the time, what do I mean by that? I mean, being consistent on whatever platform you're using, get to know the algorithms, right? So that means at least daily right? At least one time and at least three times a week. Doesn't matter. Insert whatever platform, whether that's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all of them have the same type of consistency and algorithm. I don't care what the new metrics are saying, but if you look at all of the algorithms, they all pretty much come back to that same rule. Consistency of post at least once and post at least three times a week at its core. Now, obviously there's some mathematical fluctuations to that. Some of the, some of the platforms are going to be, your numbers would be a little bit better if you did three times a day and you did it four times a week, right? You just need to know what that is per platform, but on average, once a day, three times a week, right? That's not going to change. So again, insert whatever ABCDEFG platform is coming out, 
it's, it's still, that's why I say, go back to that, that, to that conversation I had with rich, because that's not going to change. That is good information. And now, then we, the we know that these platforms have their nuances. Um, right. We know that Facebook is their CEO, uh, their CEO came out, um, not CEO, uh, Instagram um, came out and said that Instagram is not a photo sharing platform anymore. They're trying to drive it towards video. So now uh, the content has to change to meet the platform. Um, Twitter is more, you know, it's still for the, the short term, uh, the short form text. Um, yep. And then one that I want to pick your brain on is LinkedIn. Um, I'm personally seeing more engagement with long form written posts than imagery or video or even short, short video content. So it which, depends. Which is, Right, right. Which is the which is the right consultant well, goes, answer? So goes, <laughs> let's go back to this conversation. So it depends on your audience, right? right. So Instagram, they said that it, it is a video now platform versus photo. Well, I'm I'm going to push back a little bit on that for me specifically. My audience actually doesn't like my videos. I mean, not that they don't like it; they do like watching. I have like good numbers on my videos, mm-hmm. but they actually like my photos more than my videos. And it's not just photos they like it when it's just me in my photo and when I'm smiling right I've done enough a b testing to know what photos attract my audience that's just the truth it doesn't matter what I'm doing in the photo they would like to see me smiling that's what works mm-hmm. and that's Instagram I get more engagement more traction than over my videos now when I do do videos the videos that do tend to work are my short videos that I'm working out And that typically works for the women, right? And I, what, even though like, I don't get a lot of likes on those videos, I'm getting a lot of messages. I get a lot of messages from women saying, Olivia, I appreciate that you're doing it. You're, you're, you are inspiring me to get up off my butt. You're, you're inspiring me to, to change, to want to get out there and to be confident about myself. So, you know, there was a moment in time that I was going to stop doing it because I like, I don't even know why I'm doing this because I'm getting no traction. No one's like looking at these and that's when the, the messages started coming in that people are watching, right? That they are looking at them and it's serving a purpose. And yeah, maybe it's not serving a purpose for thousands, but it's serving a purpose for a small group. And that's really what social media is designed to do, whatever your audience is. So that's Instagram. Now let's look at um, LinkedIn. And so I am a LinkedIn content creator and I'm part of a small niche group that's being testbedded a lot of different ideas, which I think is really cool. And I struggle with LinkedIn from a video perspective because the word is video is king on any platform, video is king. But again, for me, video is not king. It doesn't matter what platform we're on. My audience wants to see my picture, me smiling. They don't care about the video. It could be a 15 second video. It could be a five minute video. It does not matter. I played with all different lengths. I've done different things. I've been in my pageant outfit. I've been in like beautiful gowns. I've been with people. I've been with famous people, not so famous people. It doesn't matter what I'm doing in the video. The video does not draw the engagement. Photos do. And so you have to understand your audience on the platform. And so for me, LinkedIn, a little bit more text with a smiling photo does tend to work better for me. On average, when I do a little bit longer text with a very engaging photo of me smiling or whatever, I will guarantee you that one photo will draw about 
50,000 plus views in the first day. That just is what works for me. You know, if it's something that is very, um, you know, military centric about transition or something that's been that, you know, I accomplished or whatever, that'll easily draw 150,000 views um, in the first like half day. So it's just knowing your audience and, and understanding what it is that they want. But video, I'm lucky if I get 20,000 views on my video on LinkedIn, just because for whatever reason, video isn't the thing that works for me. But and, that for your, means, and for your audience. For my audience. But for other people, those video numbers could be through the roof. You just have to understand your audience. The only way you're going to understand your audience is you got to start doing that testing. You got to start putting your content out there. I only know that because I've been doing this for a year and I've understood my audience like, no. Oh, I kind of know what my audience wants. Right. Um, and, you know, and anybody's listening, if, you know, if you think that I've got it wrong, you know, I'm all ears, but I'm, it just, I just know just that's what they want is they want a smiling photo. And, and that's one, one of the experiences I have with working with clients is that there has to be, you have to see it over time and with enough data, enough AB testing, you could see trends you can see because uh, you know data points random here and there doesn't tell you anything, uh, but actual testing that you're you're working towards goals and you're actually measuring things over a period of time, you will see whatever you will see results. Your mile your mileage may vary. However, you can start to see trends when you're posting and you're actually I um tagging uh, videos versus and measuring things against each other. Yep. And it usually takes about a, a year or so from my experience to find to get someone from scratch to finally understand who their target audience is and how their audience is, is reaching with them. Uh, of course, with ads, you can uh, <laughs> paid ads, you can do push that even further because you're, you're pushing your attention against everyone else. Uh, so highly recommend doing ads if, you, if you're if your communications budget has the ability to do so. If you have the budget, do paid ads. Um, I just worked because I was in the army, you know, we didn't have a budget for that. We didn't have the money. It was illegal to do any of that. So I worked in a realm of zero staff, zero budget, zero resourcing. So I did all of this from a perspective of limitedness. And so how do you, you know, how do you thrive when you had limitedness? So that's, so that's the lens that I come from. And, um, you know, and that's one of the things that I am going to shift in 22 for me personally, from my perspective is like, what am I going to spend on? in terms of ad space for myself and how do I want to design that? So that's going to be, you know, a bit of a, a stretch for me and, and, and growth for me. Cause I've never done that. And so I'm going to learn how to do that. Um, I know that sounds kind of crazy for a communicator. Cause you would think that that's second nature for us when it comes to advertisement, but it's not when you come from a government background, because we don't spend time doing advertisement. That's not, that's not what we do. We've always done everything from a very policy driven perspective. So um, I'll be diving into that this year. So we'll yeah, see. Defense Information School did not give our uh, our class a, a, a section on on uh, paid ads. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to remember a public affairs qualification. No, there's course. like this thing called paid ads, and it goes over there. And we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what that's what we got in class. They're like, yeah, next. <laughs> there's this thing, this little circle over there next. So, um, but yeah, so I'm excited. You know, it, I you, you know you could spend as very little in paid ad to a lot. I I don't plan on spending a lot, but I do plan on spending something and learning how to do it. So I'm excited from that, from, 
a growth perspective, that's what you got to do. You got to, you got to understand your audience. You got to grow. And as a communicator, you always got to push the the boundaries and, you know, some of it's going to yield some, some growth and some of it, you're just going to fall on your face. But I mean, it's kind of the life of an entrepreneur. So we'll see how I do. Olivia, the last uh, trend I want, I want your perspective on is the role of public relations in, in, in the next 20, in the next year. Um, a lot of small businesses, I, I, um, I feel, aren't leveraging public relations as a way to connect with the community, to leverage media, to tell their story. And I feel it's a missed opportunity. Um, and the pandemic has really shown and how you know, large corporations and even some uh, government level have leveraged public relations as a way to communicate. There, there was a need. They needed to communicate about you know, safety standards, new ways of, of how business was going to be run. Um, where do you see public relations taking place as we're uh, moving into 2022 for, for, from a small business standpoint? I think there's a lot of space to be for, for organizations, whether they're small companies, big companies and everything in between that you can do a lot of contracting, right? Or you can hire out as needed um, a consultant like myself, right? Uh, he, here's something that um, drives me bonkers from a personal perspective and not just because I'm a consultant, but, and, and we, it so much so, especially when I was a public affairs officer in the army, it's always an afterthought, right? Leaders did this in the army and I feel like leaders do this in the civilian sector. It, the whole world of communications and using a communicator is always this afterthought. It's only thought of when you're in a crisis mode that all of a sudden you need it. Instead of having somebody on hand to constantly be on your staff to utilize them, right? They should be part of your working staff and they should always be there because then they understand who you are, your messaging, the way you're, the way you think as a leader, the way your staff runs and operates and how, how you communicate, how your style is. So that way, when a crisis occurs, they're not trying to learn you on the fly, but more so I love social media, right? We we've been talking about social media this whole entire time in this world, but I feel like social media what I feel is that leaders, and I use the term leaders broadly, is that everyone is a communicator, is what social media has made everybody feel like or seem like. There's an art and science to being a true communicator. Yes, social media has allowed people to communicate, but are you a trained communicator in the art and science of being a storyteller from a perspective of a public affairs officer or public relations personnel? who understand the nuances of working with media, of storytelling, of why you do a certain thing or not do a certain thing. How do you give a condolence conversation? How do you, how do you, all of those things, right, that we've learned. And I feel like because everyone uses social media to pitch, the concept is, well, I don't need that person on my staff, which is far from the truth. You need a communicator on your staff, if anything, to ensure that the azimuth that you're on as a entrepreneur, as a business owner, that you're headed in the right direction, that the things that you're doing is true. That way, if anything, you know, they're just 
double checking what you're posting, that it's not going against your business values, that your brand is the same, that your, that your authenticity is there, that, you know, your values aren't being, you know, questioned. That's why you want that there, right? It's, it's that ethical check, if you will. Um, and I, and I say that from, from my experience, for the last 10 years within the government space. And as I'm coming out and that's what I see. And those are the conversations that I've had, especially as a, you know, as a consultant, when people ask me like, Hey, should I do this? And that's kind of the, a lot of the conversations that I'm having as a consultant is that, do you really want to do that? <laughs> you know, if you're hiring me on, do you really want to do that? So I, one, I think value. One thing um, I learned in working with clients and in, in my former life uh, as on active duty as a public affairs officer is that bad news doesn't get better with time. No, sure doesn't. And so it was always a struggle to inform, you know, my, my clients and stuff that if you've got something going on, you have to be true and transparent about it because if you don't own up to it, uh, the public will eat you up. And they would chew you out for it, and there's second, third, and order uh, order effects. And on the government side, you don't want you don't want congressional inquiries and, and and any of that sort. That that just causes more problems. It from a public relations standpoint, best practice is if you you see a problem, you're going to you you let the stakeholders and your audience know we've identified the problem. We're working on it. We'll let you know our progress for it, and we'll get you a final result. And we're, we're, we're seeing, well, we're seeing a lot of things in, in the last, I'm thinking about the tornadoes and the, and the storms that happened in the Midwest um, with, with, and how it's affected the safety of employees. Um, you know, safety consult, you mentioned about uh, condolence messaging. Um, PR, public relations is a, is a vital part, can be even detrimental to a business of any size. Um, and so I really hope that businesses start to take public relations a little bit more seriously, uh, not as an and incorporate as part of the planning process, but also leverage it as an opportunity, like you said, to tell their story. These businesses are doing great things. They're working with local communities. They're part of communities and, and they're giving back or they're helping or they're, they're, um, they're trying to provide the service or a product that may be helpful. And, um, what better way than leveraging the networks that are available around them to tell that story? Absolutely. Absolutely. Olivia, I feel like we could go on and on and on about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking with, about the things that we're passionate about. And thank you for sharing your personal stories uh, and your personal experiences uh, on the show. Um, I do want to give you uh, an opportunity to tell our audience how they can follow you. Um, we mentioned LinkedIn, we mentioned Instagram. Um, could you drop a couple uh, places where they can follow you? Yeah. And so then... LinkedIn, uh, I'm big on LinkedIn. It's Olivia Nunn on LinkedIn. Please follow me there. That's all very business centric. 
And uh, like I said, you know, I started my own business, Olivia Nunn Communications, which is very heavy facing in, in LinkedIn world. On Instagram, I have two accounts that you can follow me. Uh, it's RCR Princess. It harkens back to my days in college when I was um, all about that racing life. Um, that's my personal page, but my the new podcast, it's Calm dot in dot the dot storm. So calm in the storm. It's adventures of Olivia Nunn and Topaz Navarro, which I spoke about earlier in the podcast. And then, um, you know, if you're interested in following me as Ms. New York, that is USOA Ms. New York. You can follow my pageantry um, adventures there. But, you know, for the most part, you know, I do share a lot of all of that um, on my own personal Instagram page. And then of course, Facebook, Olivia Nunn, you can find me there as well. So pretty excited about all the things that are going to come to fruition in 22, you know, you know, from a personal perspective, as well as, you know, a physical perspective, you know, going to be doing the four by four by 48 challenge that David Goggins has got coming up. Um, I'm going to cycle that. I'm going to help out, um, you know, my partner, Topaz Navarro, he's going to be running that. So, you know, excited to do that. I'm more nervous. I don't know why I say excited. I'm more nervous. Um, <laughs> that's probably going to be one of the first like long physical fitness feats that I've done in a very long time, but yeah, that's early uh, March. If you've never heard about it, look it up. Um, I'm sure many of your audience has heard David Goggins, you know, uh, amazing, amazing guy. And then, um, and then this year doing the baton, uh, Memorial death March, uh, my first marathon, I'm going to walk majority of it. Um, my, my knees are long gone, but for, for our uh, audience that doesn't know that's 26.2 miles. Right. In is white it, sands. is it white sand? So that's in New Mexico. Yeah. And it's usually, is it pretty humid down there? Or is it pretty hot? It's hot, hot, hot and hot. cold because it's, you know, the very typical desert and desert it's um, okay. March 20th, you know, and it goes back to, you know, uh, the history, right? The Bataan Death March, you know, it's about World War II. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, please go Google that, understand what it's talking about. You know, it, it, it's a history lesson in all itself. And there's a reason why it's a memorial death march. It's about honor and sacrifice. You know, I'm going there for a few reasons. You know, it's about, you know, mental health. It's about, the work that I'm doing with Calm in the Storm. It's about um, a new foundation that I'm being involved in, which is, you know, the work that Topaz does. It's the all-in foundation, the work that I'm now involved there. But, oh, by the way, it's, um, you know, I'm the vice president of communications for PPOM, Pan Pacific, you know, um, which is all about leadership and mentorship. You know, I am involved there. And the president of that foundation is Major General Retired Tony Taguba. And, you know, he's involved with a Filipino organization that's been doing it since, you know, 2015. They've gone every single year. And so we're going out there. It's about fellowship, about mentorship. It's about leadership. It's about honor and sacrifice. And so, you know, a huge big umbrella of reasons of why we're going, but we're going nonetheless, and we're doing this. And I, and I think it's a great way to fellowship. So, for those that are interested, please check it out. Um, if you want to give, there's ways to give the All In Foundation. Please follow me on social media. I'll be talking about it. There's ways to give and to support us for every mile that we walk um, to give in. Because it's again, it's all about I am I am the storm. It's about military mental health. How do we give back? How do we support? How do we do advocacy? How do we make change? Um, you know, and it starts it starts with each one of us doing something. So super excited about this year, and thank you for the chance to share. Appreciate it. 
and for our audience who's not who's still uh who may not be familiar with the with the with this event uh it is 26.2 miles and it's normally correct me if i'm wrong it's usually not run because it's supposed to simulate what happened in, for historical context usually a combat load on your back about 40 50 pounds is that is that correct yeah, it's pretty heavy. So you could do a light vision, a light division, or a heavy division. Um, the heavy being the the ruck. I will not be doing that because um, I've got tons of injuries, and um, so I'll be walking it and without a ruck. But so it's a very unique still- physical event. Uh, that uh, while it is twenty six point two miles, it's not it's not an average. You, there is a level of, of of physical fitness, but it's a good thing that there's different varies um variations of how someone can participate so that's that's really good to hear so thank you again appreciate it thanks for listening to the waza media podcast if you found this podcast helpful please share this with a friend and give us a review it only takes a quick moment be sure to follow us on our social media platforms at waza media that's w-a-z-a media and if you're looking for an agency to help you take your business to the next level please visit our website at waza.media to schedule a consultation Thanks again for listening and tune in next time for the next episode.